Tripped and fell on down the stairs. Don't know if I'll find them things again. Slid in my life like a thief in the night, and you stole my common sense. The sun will never shine, and the woods will never Morning. Good morning. Disneyland, huh? Yes. Our last minute. This sounds fun. Last minute venture. We saw a reservation was available, so we took it. Nice. Yeah. I think that's great. I'm gonna yeah. invite a few people in here as I as I'm waiting. They have a new feature here where you just click on it and you can do it. That's nice. Very nice. Yeah, you can just click on everybody it follows you and that way they can come in if they want to. You're becoming such an expert. I don't know. I'm trying. <laughs> I am definitely trying. Is it it's raining up here? It's uh it's overcast here, but I don't think it's gonna rain. It doesn't usually. Oh nice. Okay. Good morning everyone. Hang in there. I'm just inviting all my people here. Oops. And I will start to get everybody in here. So let's see, cancel that. Kelly, just talk to everybody for a moment, please. Well, you had your nice music going, so it kind of uh, cancels it out in that way too. Is that it? That's uh, true. I'm bringing y'all up. Hang on. Get a little it's, theme uh, music going it's on. Saturday morning. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. Good morning. You have me for four minutes. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Everybody sounds a little restful and melancholy, and and it's raining over where I am. So you know, you just want to stay in bed and or curl up with a nice cup of tea or coffee. I'm not a coffee drinker, though. I already had myself a nice espresso, Americano this morning. It was nice. <laughs> nice, very nice. But I was also at the Clippers game last night, and it was sad that they lost, but it was really fun. So my voice is a little tired today, too. <laughs> We're definitely into basketball yeah, season. So. <laughs> Full board. Well, we're just getting ourselves going, and I want to give—I want to give a couple more people that have been consistently with this uh, this topic a second more to see if they arrive and join us. Anybody got anything? I was going to say the same thing. What are the weekend plans, Mark and Tamson? You guys got plans? Just having family over, uh, just relaxing. Kids, uh, our kids just started their spring break on Friday, so. Um, you know, they're just, everybody's just kind of around. Them. Nice. That's good. Time, it's nice to spend time with family. Family's important. It's kind of what life's about. And Mako, what are you doing? You're getting on a ferry? You go to the island? I'm, I'm actually getting off a ferry in like three minutes. Uh, they changed the ferry schedule, so it's an early ferry. So uh, I only have like three minutes. So my, my, well, word of the day, my word of the day is I'm tired. It was a long week. Um, and that's about it. We can, I can relate. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us for your couple of last minutes on your uh, adventure. And Tamson, I hope you have a good weekend, weekend plans coming up, whether that's resting or something fun. 
I wish you were resting. I'm doing yard work today, so that's fun. But tomorrow I'm visiting my parents, so that'll be cool. Oh, nice. Well, I mean, yard work, though, can be, it's, it can be physically tiring, but mentally restful. So I always say it's, like, good in that regard. Absolutely. I agree. Awesome. Tamara, what are you doing this weekend? Uh, I think I'm just hanging out. I've been, you know, trying to get some of my, some of my, um, it, work done for my coaching and get, been trying to do a little bit more writing. So I think I'm just going to kind of hang out. It's raining. So no plans in particular. Ah, uh, there's Amory. I knew she was coming. A little I bit of rain. Gonna, we didn't want to start without you. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Good to hear you uh, on the weekend. So I hope you hope you have some fun plans too, or or resting, whatever it is that you might need. Uh, sometimes it's rest, sometimes it's excitement. Who knows? Okay. Well, I guess we're about well, we're about the nine thirty three. So I'll go ahead and let's get started. I'll open up the room. So this is the official Learning to Lead Clubhouse, where we meet every Saturday morning from nine thirty to ten thirty Pacific Standard Time. And we created this uh, clubhouse as a forum where we can talk about all things leadership. Those are the challenges, the achievements, and everything in between. And there's leaders of all levels and industries that come in here, which brings a broad diversity uh, in le uh, leadership experience as well as perspectives. So whether you're an entry-level leader or you're a seasoned executive, we all have experiences to share, challenges, tips, resources, and sage advice. Um, so we have a really great topic again today. We're kind of closing out our um, final uh, Daniel Goldman leadership style. We've been following the six different ones and talking about it. And um, I want to go over a couple of housekeeping items before we start that conversation. So the first thing is that we are an official clubhouse. So we encourage you to follow the clubhouse. There's a little um, or a little a green house at the top that you can click on. And if you do that, you'll get regular notifications of topics and the information on how to access our recaps and our recordings. We also encourage you to invite other leaders that we may learn and grow from this type of a forum. It's a great place to, to, to learn tips or to talk about challenges or get questions answered or also share your expertise. We also encourage you to share the room with others. There's an arrow at the bottom, a box with a little arrow. And any of you in the room right now even can just shoot that. You can hit that and shoot that out to others that will let them know that um, that this this uh, forum is in, in progress, this clubhouse, and also that you value it. Um, so we welcome everyone on the stage and also in the listener's lounge, and we invite invite those that maybe you're in the in the listening lounge to join us um i'll, I'll send out invitations you don't have to participate if you don't want to. you can also just just listen um and then to communicate with us you can either dm us or there's also some options at the bottom there's a kite where you can send us a message as well as there is a chat uh, icon at the bottom left where you can chat with um both us or others in the room as well um i would encourage you to um Watch for our recaps and our, re our recordings. Take advantage of these on LinkedIn or on our Substack website where you can listen to something you may have missed or you can get the resources that we may discuss in our clubhouse today. Um, so again, thank you for taking the time out of your busy weekend and your plans for the weekend and uh, being here to join us in this conversation. I'm going to turn it over to Kelly. 
Thank you for the intro, Tamara. Yeah, and one, one quick reminder, I think most folks here, but anybody who's listening to the replay, um, we do have our Substack and you can subscribe. And if you have subscribed to that, you not only get our weekly recaps on Sundays from this discussion, the replays, resources, as well as a couple of other um, items that we usually will include in that. We also send out reminders on Wednesdays before of the events and what our topics will be on the Saturday Clubhouse. So it's a good place to just stay in touch with what's going on, um, as well as something that, again, if you're enjoying it, easy to forward on to a friend. So I'm really excited. As Tamara said, we're going to really be today actually wrapping up the series that we've been running for the last several weeks around Daniel Goldman's six most common styles of leadership. And I've found it to be a very rewarding conversation, really helping us all better understand you know, leadership styles that we may have understood in practice or concept, but maybe didn't quite name. And I always am a big believer that the more that we can understand each one of these topics, it helps us not only become more aware of ourselves as leaders and what our styles are and how we can continue to grow, but also how we can effectively teach the future leaders around us on our team to ensure that they have the ability to be successful leaders as they grow in their career. And that's a huge part of, again, why we even started this forum because it's a really a continuous journey. So before we jump into the last leadership style that we haven't covered, which will be visionary leader, which I'm very excited about, I do want to start with that moment of reflection. Again, it's a reminder of, you know, life moves very fast, things change constantly, and sometimes when we're caught up in it, we really miss some of the learnings that that are happening both in challenging times as well as the really exciting, positive, growth-filled, exciting times. So with that, we're going to do our roundtable of a word of the week, what kind of um, wrapped up your week, how it went, and hopefully you're, maybe you're taking the, the time to write down your word as we do this, kind of look back at it and see what themes may arise, even just reflecting back on a few weeks, but maybe a few months and maybe even getting to a year. So with that, we're going to start with Mark. Good morning, everybody. I'd say pretty steady. Um, lots of stuff going on, lots of big projects uh, that we're involved in, but this was a pretty steady, steady week of grounding. Fantastic. So to That's have those awesome. steady weeks. Tamsin. Good morning. I'm going to go with gratitude. I may have used this recently, but I definitely feel it again. First for this group, because this has been so beneficial for me for self-awareness and a bunch of other reasons. But I also had a random connection come to me on LinkedIn last Saturday, and it turns out she needed help navigating things with her transgender teenage child. So I got to leverage my DEI advocacy with that, and I am just so grateful for that coming to me. Awesome. It's so fantastic. And again, it's another great reminder that sometimes we we underestimate you know, the power of our experiences, our perspectives, and our stories, and how it can really help others. You know, I, I read a lot about that. I see a lot of people who share, you know, share stories and experiences, and it has a really profound effect on those around them. And sometimes things that you don't even actually know are impacting people the way that they are. So thank you for sharing that. Great to hear. I'm Rita. Hi. Um, my word for the week was, has been just busy, uh, more so because this uh, is just the last second month of the fiscal quarter. So a lot of planning. And um, I mean, it's exciting. So I don't know, it's just the whole week was like that. <laughs> just meetings back to back and had 
like day long work days uh, with our leadership team that was that was just super super exhausting also um but yeah yeah i think we can all can relate to those weeks that are just busy and packed and they're productive in a lot of ways and exhausting in a lot of ways as well chuck good morning hey good morning um anxious um we're still trying to buy a house i'm not sure how yeah the housing market just is weird and filled with excitement and anxiety because <laughs> yeah um so yeah my wife and kids are out in chicago today we had another um, putting another offer in on the house this weekend so um, we'll see how it goes well, good luck. We know that's a that's a big thing to do, and it feels like it's always a, probably a really good way of articulating that. It's both exciting <laughs> and anxiety ridden yeah. at the same yeah. time. Yes. Chad, good morning. Good morning. Uh, I'd say stretching, lots and lots of stretching, which is going to be my word this week, next week, week after that. Just lots of stretching. Going Sounds on. like growth to me. Exactly. <laughs> Tamara. I was going to say growing pains, Chad. Um, mine would be um, energized um, and a lot of collaboration. And I think I would also tag on to what uh, Tamson said. It's just, you know, like when you're in a certain mindset and you're living your life, you know, authentically and, and purposefully, it's amazing how, you know, people come into your life and, and, the, and the types of things that seem to align and, and the way we touch each other's lives and whatnot. I've, I've seen a lot of, there's been a lot of connectivity this year, this week. There's been a lot of um, uh, productivity, um, um, building the network, um, again, trying to get a lot more out there, writing a lot more. Um, I, you know, I do a lot of the prep for these meetings as well with writing and stuff. And so it's been really exciting to, um, to, to, to number one, invest in it, as well as to see the fruits of, of all the work that you do every day. Good to hear. And yes, it is a good reminder of how rewarding it can be to just carve out a little bit of that time um, and how it can feel. Uh, and, and really, again, I think have the impact on those around you as well. So if I round out the the group on the, the theme of the week, you know, I, I grapple between exciting, but also um, the idea of, of being capable. I had a, you know, a very exciting dynamic week, making a lot of progress on some really big projects. Um, but also, I feel like there were a couple of, you know, big moments that came up of having to deal with some issues and things that were happening and being able to work through them, resolve them, have a path forward, be clear and decisive with my team. You know, I feel like I was, you know, able to leverage a lot of the leadership practices and skills that we talk about here, in addition to the leadership styles, to really effectively not only, you know, back up and support my team, but also help teach them how they can be um, effective in dealing with the situations and really empowering them to help solve so that it wasn't purely about, you know, me needing to solve the problem for them. So it was a lot of the things we talk about happening in practice, which reminded me how capable I am as a leader. So it was, it was a good week in that regard. So I'm going to actually, you know, start to transition us into our topic for today. And um, you know, we've had some offline conversations and I'll, I'll do a teaser, I think as we'll, we'll hit it again at the end of the session, but, you know, we've been spending really around six weeks, maybe a little bit longer going through the six most common leadership styles, according to Daniel Goldman. 
And as we round out this week, one of the things that we're probably going to be doing, um, potentially, I think actually in the next session, we're going to be actually having some kind of fun exercises where we're going to really unpack each one of the leadership styles, but really with examples of, you know, what it means, what it looks like in practice, and really looking at all of them together in those moments of blending, those moments of flexing. And I think we had a, you know, a lot of fun last week talking about things like Ted Lasso and his leadership style as a pop culture reference, and how can we bring more of those fun examples in so you can see what it looks like to flex between leadership styles. So I'm looking forward to that as a teaser for next week. But in order for us to do that, we have to finish the last one, which is one of my favorites. Um, and I think something that's talked about quite frequently and very high regards from a leadership perspective, from a style perspective, which is the visionary leader. And so as we kind of normally go through the flow of the conversation, you know, we'll kick this off by talking about just high level definition of what a visionary leader is as we think about the definition as Daniel's kind of talked about it in his book. I'm going to kind of open it to the floor after that because I really, especially with this one, would love to hear from the group. What are the things that come to mind when someone says a visionary leader, both people that you've maybe worked with, how you perceive yourself as a visionary leader, and then we'll go deeper into kind of what this actually looks like, where it's really effective, um, how you actually apply this, and, and where some of the shortfalls are that you have to be aware of when you think about this kind of a style. So with that, I'm going to kind of talk a little bit about that high-level definition. So really, when, when I think about kind of what, what a visionary leader is, it's about someone who inspires this long-term vision, builds towards this idea of a, of a goal, an aspirational goal, it's usually very inspirational. And Daniel Goleman really leans into it as this is a leader who has the ability to take charge and inspire with a compelling vision. And if you think about at the core of this, usually when you're, when you're looking at a, a visionary leader, they're usually coming in in times of change where you need to bring a team together, but it's really about um, what I'll use since I'm at a Disney property, like to some extent, the, the art of the possible and really helping a team see that and to embrace that and really understand transformation and big thinking. So I would love, I'm going to actually pause here before I go deeper in some of the, the definitional place to see, you know, what are some of the things that come to mind immediately for you when I say a visionary leader? And maybe that's an example, again, of someone you know, out in pop culture or someone that's a public figure or somebody that just has specific attributes that really align to what comes to mind of the visionary leader. So I'll pause there. Anything that comes to mind for the group? Let me just say that, that there's two people that come to mind, which are Walt Disney and uh, Steve Jobs. It's just that those people that just have that vision, have that, that foresight, have that, that whatever that, uh, that bring people along for their, their, their ride and say, hey, we're going to do this and it's going to be amazing. Those are great, great examples. The other, the other two that come to mind for me is Martin Luther King and Gandhi. And I just want to add also to what Kelly said is that visionary leadership you know, requires the leader to have, be able to be a visionary, to see the future, but it also requires the leadership part of it, right? The ability to to inspire people like these examples we've given, we, we can actually leverage um, excitement and um, you know, inspiration to move them to want to buy into the vision and want to be part of it. 
Yeah, I think you're right. And I, I love the examples that you all said. And I think what, you know, what a lot of the visionary leaders that come to mind for me, both both very well-renowned kind of public figures as, as examples that were shared, you know, but even leaders that I've seen that I've worked with and for is very much that idea of that big future thinking. Um, because I think there's there's different ways you can think about visionary leaders, but it is about that kind of North Star, um, exciting a team to believe in what almost seems impossible and how we can get there. And I think that goes hand in hand as I think about you know what is what a successful visionary leader looks like and does. That leader is not only able to inspire the team to do something that may feel impossible or unattainable, but also does it with a very clear sense of where we're going and focus. So I think to have a successful vision, right, to be a visionary leader, you have to be able to communicate that vision. You have to be able to rally a team around a vision, which means there needs to be clarity of mission and where you're going. So being able to, you know, uh, communicate that in a very clear and decisive way. And I think this is where even when we talk about in in practice, you know, how we're going to go about doing that. So that means, you know, often it's it's an amount of, of focus around a specific goal. And I definitely think of someone like Steve Jobs, who I think is was kind of very much known for this as well, being a visionary leader, a visionary thinker, but also, you know, incredibly focused on what, where we, where his company was going and what he was striving to accomplish uh, versus trying to do a whole lot of things at the same time. So I think that's one thing to keep in mind is, is it really about this, you know, um, aspiration, inspiration, North Star setting, but clarity of communication such that your team is able to be a part of making that vision a reality and, and believes it and is as equally inspired to be able to act on that vision. Any other thoughts or ideas on what comes to mind when you think about a visionary leader, be it an example or, or you know, attributes? Um, I'll kind of chime in. I mean, I think one of my all time, and again, I'm very, very partial here is Bob Iger, um, you know, who's the CEO of Disney for many, many years. And when he came, you know, and he, when you take a look at his entire career, he's had a tremendous tenure, um, you know, between ABC, Cap Cities, ABC, and Disney. But some things that kind of strike me with, especially with what others have mentioned in terms of Jobs and, and Gandhi and others, they're all, Kelly, you nailed it, right? Like, they're all clear communicators. And they're, and, you know, I throw in, you know, some, not to get political, but there's several politicians you can also point to as, you know, communicators, right? And I think... Between written and oral communication, it probably leans a little bit more on the oral because we're just a lot more in our face right now with audio video elements and they have a certain gravitas, you know, of a, of a presence, right? And, and that is the vehicle, I think, that, you know, when you start layering in that emotional connection, you know, that becomes inspiration, um, you know, those are the things that I think help an individual connect with that leader and their vision. But on the, on the other side of, of that, I think all of those leaders that have mentioned, have been mentioned are also enablers of their team, right? They are focused on their vision and they want their teams to be unblocked and enabled to realize the vision. Because I, I look at some other past leaders that have those same qualities of, presence, gravitas, um, vision, and things like that. 
and they're blocked because they they move into a different leadership style of control, right? And when they don't enable their teams, I think that's when you don't realize the full potential um, for the vision. And so that's where I, you know, I really appreciate somebody like Bob Iger over, you know, his, his 17, 20 year tenure as CEO, uh, starting from where he did, coming off the Eisner era to where he left, and and really enable you know having a clear vision of of evolving the media company that you know he inherited to you know being a leader in storytelling once again, right? That vision was super super clear uh, uh, when and for those that know, you know, he had you know three tent poles when he started that he that he just basically established and and that's what everybody marched to those three ten poles of you know get back to creative storytelling leverage technology and you know go for international expansion super simple easy to communicate but that was the vision yeah well said i and i think what i would what i'd add on and i think what you hit on you know really of course is like this idea of often what comes to mind when we think about a visionary leader is somebody who is who is charismatic. And I think there is something about what you hit on as well, um, in addition to kind of multiple topics there, which is this idea of, you know, connection. It's clarity and focus, but it's connection such that people, you know, we talk a lot about kind of authenticity as leaders. This is, I think, an area where it's really important, right? Like if you as a leader are enacting you know, kind of the visionary leader st- leadership style, but you don't believe what you're saying and you're not being authentic in why this is a focus and why this is important, then it's never going to work. <laughs> Your team's never going to follow you because it's just, they're going to see right through that. So I think, you know, a lot of these examples, and I agree Bob Iger's a phenomenal example is, you know, he was incredibly charismatic, amazing orator, but also, you know, was very steady and steadfast and clear about where he was going to your point on pillars and stayed true to that. And that I think really helps everybody kind of understand that this is true. This is real. This is something that we're going to, we believe in and we will follow. And I think it is about really at the core, taking a vision that inspires people and then helping them make that a reality and thinking about those stepping stones to make that something that again you know is is you know both inspiring but something that drives towards results and then i would you know also add on and then i'm happy to pass the mic to to chuck is i think there's an element of this leadership style that at the core is about risk taking right you have to in order to do really hard things and to change the way that a company works or to introduce a new product or to do something that really can have a profound effect on an industry or the world it requires being brave and to be courageous and to know that there are going to be inherent risks in that and i think most of the the leaders and even you can use you know the last example right bob iger you know was known for also making a couple of really big acquisitions in his tenure. I mean, really massive acquisitions that have really, I think, benefited the company to the point around pillars of storytelling being a really critical component of how we think about, you know, what what Disney is, where Disney is today versus when when he took over as a CEO. And so there's those points of, you know, embracing um, risk-taking, understanding that some things may not work, but being courageous and confident in how you also embrace that while also walking that line of not being um, a disruptor back to that point of authenticity and steadfastness and focus that your disruption has a result and it's tied to a vision and clarity. So I'll pause there. I said a lot. Happy to pass the mic to Chuck to, to chime in as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah thanks. Um, you know, one, 
I, I, I think you mentioned this, Kelly, um, focus and purpose come to mind um, when I think about, you know, the vision and, you know, that, you know, that vision can help, you know, create that, especially for, you know, the next quarter or the next couple of quarters. But um, without that vision, you know, it's very hard for people to understand where they are and where they go. I've, I've seen and I've been a part of situations where, you know, leadership has not provided a really good vision or um, a, an understanding of all the work that needs to be done in their organizations and, the, and the extremely frustrating for people and I think has led to um, to burnout in, in many situations. Um, a couple of examples that I um, also can think of is um, really appreciating um, leaders who apply a vision to their, their values and how they extend into the organizations um, aside from the, the actual products. And um, I think of um, maybe a, a CEO that, you know, it might be well-known or, or maybe is a little less well-known in some ways, but Barry Wellmiller um, is an organization based out of St. Louis and Bob Chapman um, has been ranked very high on the CEO um, like Inc. assessments and things like that. Um, Simon Sinek has um, talked to him a few times, but his organization is very much focused on on people and the culture and um, in creating a positive leadership environment for people. Um, David Marquet also, I think, you know, focused, um, he created a vision around um, intent-based leadership on his submarine and not making, you know, not giving orders, right? And I think that, that was a really powerful example of how he created this vision and then how, you know, um, and I think the point was made earlier, not just to create a vision, but how do you actually get, you know, your organization to execute on that? And some of his books, you know, dig into how you were able to execute on that and how he was able to support that as a leader. Yeah, I think those are, again, it's really great, great, great examples. And I think what you hit on is, is really important, right? That, that grounding in, in values, right? So when we think about, you know, what we're trying to accomplish, inspiring around a vision, you know, clarity of that communication grounded in really why this is important, you know, and there's, you know, so many examples that we can continue to, I'm sure, say of, of you know, leaders who I think have, have embodied this leadership style. And, you know, I think, of course, and, and because I talked about basketball at the top of the meeting, I'll bring it back, um, which is, you know, I, what came to mind, even as you were talking about some of your examples, um, Chuck, was, you know, Phil Jackson. And being a Lakers fan, of course, I'll reference Phil Jackson. But, you know, I think there was a lot of people reference him in multiple ways for leadership, but the fact that he came in and had a very distinct style for the way that he coached and led the team that was much more around, you know, meditation and visualization and this idea of really embracing mindset and mindfulness outside of just the physical component of training and bringing a team together. And, you know, that, that can likely, if you imagine what other players may have experienced in the past, could have been, you know, incredibly um, a huge shift for them to have to make and very, very different. But it was something that, again, he's he's well known and renowned as being a very successful, you know, coach. And so these different examples of, again, you know, coming in and even, you know, visionary can be about, again, a new product or um, a new amazing business or something that can be big and profound in that way. It can also be, you know, working differently. It can also be disrupting the way that we think and the way that we operate. And often what I see most often in the leaders that I work with, you know, most frequently, some of the most visionary thinking that has to be applied is 
just helping break down barriers of thinking that we can't work that way. We can't do that because we have all of these constraints. And I think when we start talking about when and how to, you know, become a visionary leader, when to apply this style, you know, I think there's definitely a moment depending on, you know, I work at a big company, right? I work at Disney. It's a very big company. When you work at a company that that's large, you can work with teams that maybe have been working the same way for years and years and years. And so this is a great style to bring in in those moments to reinvigorate a team, to introduce some change, to shift thinking to open up based on just embracing change within the team and growth and stretching, but also to embrace the changes that might be happening in the industry or a new competitive advantage we're going after. So, you know, as we shift a little bit into how do you do this, I would love to hear from the group on, you know, even how maybe you have, you know, applied leadership, you know, in the, in the visionary leadership style and, and, or if you have questions about how to effectively do this, but but I'll start, in addition to kind of the examples I just gave, I'll start, you know, the, you all thinking about this with number one, you have to build a vision statement. Um, and this is something that I think is actually a really challenging process. I've gone through it many, many times now at this point. Um, and I think it is something that should involve others. It should not be something that you feel like you have to do alone. I think that's always a challenge for leaders is we, we sometimes feel like we have to have all the answers. That is not true. So you surround yourself with people who can challenge your thinking that can also equally inspire you that you can have a meaningful dialogue to write a really inspirational, meaningful, powerful vision statement to help with that clarity of communication. And it should be relatively short, probably only about two sentences, but it really should communicate, again, the things that we've talked about, right? What is the North Star? Where are we going? Why is that important? And, and a little bit of a hint at how we're going to get there or what the focus is. And this is the starting point of being able to, again, back to what we've said before, clearly communicate. What is the opportunity? Where are we going? And that everyone uses that now as a really strong rally point where then we go into more of the specifics around the reality of getting the work done. I will pause there. I would love to hear if anybody has immediate thoughts on, you know, how do you, how do you apply the visionary leadership style? How have you seen it successfully applied? But also, you know, what have you done yourself as you've maybe used this leadership style yourself? Um, I went in, in instances when, um, I did have to, uh, come up with like, Hey, here's the vision for the project. Uh, I usually came up with, um, and I wondered if it should contain the how, and obviously I realized later, no. Uh, but, um, when I came up with that statement, I usually, um, added just, the just the imagination of a of a problem solved so like you know like i didn't give the problem statement but rather what it would look like with the problem solved so that for me was was the vision statement that i used often um and then started with other things that came with it like how and that that's later on but the vision statement for me was just that part of imagining the, the the solution rather. I'll jump in there and kind of just give some of my, um, some of the research I've done as well as um, some of the thoughts I have around uh, 
kind of how you go about doing this or some of the key things that you might want to think about when you're doing this. And, and I think it all begins with the leader leading themselves. You know, it's not about, you know, it's not just about the people as much as it is you as well. And I think that, you know, starting with something very fundamental, which is like where we are here, where we are right now and where we want to be and everything in between that journey is kind of, it's going to be new skills. It may be new knowledge and it may be new experience and um, seeing the, seeing the team, the, the folks you surround yourself with, the people that are going to execute it, you know, these, these, these visions don't have to be super humongous, gigantic, you know, uh, you know, things that happen. It could be something simple as something within a department. It could be something, you know, culturally within the organization, et cetera. But, but just to know that it's going to require um, seeing the people that you work with or under you as the key to unlocking that future and that you need their help and making the vision about something obviously inspiring, um, you know, because people want to express their potential. They want to be able to um, express their contribution, but they want to feel valued, supported, safe. They want to learn and they want autonomy. They want responsibility. So, you know, how do we inspire that? How do we you know, ignite something in them to want to, to want to follow the vision. And, um, and then also I think it's real important that um, there's this, this vehicle or this, this viewpoint of adaptability and agility. Um, so there's going to be, obviously, whenever you're doing a change, there's going to be the need to pivot, to adjust, um, or even disrupt in some situations. And part of that, need, you know, is, is having a contingency. You know, you need to have sort of backup plans or be able to build a backup plan pretty quickly. And, and basically, in a sen- essentially, to be able to manage that change through agility and adaptability. And also see the future of the customers. And, you know, how are we aligning this vision with both the organization? Also, what do we value? And what is our customers value? And what are or, or whoever we're serving? And are these in alignment? You know, if we're if they're not in alignment, you know, it's, it could set us up for, you know, to, for failure or also for more disruption. Um, and again, as far as the problems that, you know, the the setbacks or anything of that nature. I think in the, in, in terms of how the leader uh, deals with that is really, really critical as well. Um, because, you know, every failure unlocks something new, right. And it, and also the way that we deal with failure in, in, in the situation and we adjust and we pivot as a positive thing is it builds uh, resilience and grit within the team that you're working with. So we want to relinquish the desire to, uh, to be biased, right? And, and instead say, wow, that's interesting. You know, what skills am I gaining from this, this moment of setback? And what am I learning? And, you know, what did you learn? And, and, and telling people, why are you upset? Get excited about what you're learning. So it changes the culture and the mindset of, of what, you know, carrying out this vision could be. Because this is, this is tough work, especially if it's really, really big. And, um, and then also, I think, it, you know, for a leader, it's really important to surround yourself with the right people and be 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 pretty committed to auditing your network. Like, is, are they are the people you're surrounding yourself with, you know, setting this vision up for success? Um, do you need to include other people in uh, in your in, in this in your you know, clo- in your close proximity? Do you need to get other people out of that proximity? So you might need to adjust the time you spend with the people that are around you. 
And also, I think it's real important that uh, for success that the leader sees the the essence of responsibility for the future and all it brings. So um, ex- it, when it comes to ex- extreme ownership, you know, blame can't exist. You know, it's blame has to be is blame exists in er- in it. Excuse me. <clears throat> if blame exists in any area of your life, you know, you're playing a disempowered game. You know, everything is the leader's fault. And if everything is our, my fault, it's my responsibility to respond it, or my ability to respond. So it's not a negative thing. I think if we can keep it on the positive of seeing it as you're, you're just ha- with responsibility, you're just using your ability to respond and pivot to keep the team focused, to keep the vision you know, in front of everybody's mind and to continue to ignite and inspire people to move forward. So those are just a few of my thoughts. Yeah, I would, one thing that, you know, there was a lot in there that I think, again, is really good for, for understanding, you know, this, this leadership style. I think one of the things that you really hit on, Tamara, a few times in that is, I think there's this, you know, when we think about visionary leaders and often doing, you know, challenging work, again, whether it's something that's externally facing with your consumers, or it's just about organizationally how you work, the, the idea of, again, it goes back to, to risk taking, right? That some things may not work and you may have to pivot, you may have to change, and there may be failures. What's really important, I think, is it goes back to what, what I think even Mark was hitting on as, as far as even just the style of communication that visionary leaders usually embody, right? This idea of, you know, charisma and the way that you communicate and bring people along and people are inspired to hear what you have to say. And it's a really, really powerful tool. But I think it comes down to leveraging that tool, not only when it comes out to communicating the vision, but when things change. I think the, one of the biggest risks in, in any kind of leadership practice is when you don't bring your team along on the journey with you and you don't share with them and explain to them what is going on. So if a change is happening or we have to pivot or something we've learned, right? There's been a failure. It's an, and Cameron, you hit on this, right? It's about, you know, continuing to rebuild that optimism. It's continuing to reinforce the vision, but do not be afraid of communicating with your team what's going on and why changes are happening. Because at the core, those are the moments when we as leaders, and I think especially a visionary leader, you know, really do teach those around us. And that reinforces that that inspirational moment of what's going on and why and what to see in a moment that maybe others others do not or cannot. And again, I think that's a big part of visionary leaders is sometimes seeing the things that, you know, others don't, seeing from a different perspective, you know, being able to share a different perspective, a different path forward that maybe others didn't think was ever possible or had never ever considered was a possibility. And I think that's why visionary leaders are are very um uh, very inspirational, a lot of ways stand out from a leadership perspective. And it's definitely one of the leadership styles that always really highly resonates with me as far as what what I look to and want to, you know, aspire to have as a key part of my leadership style. So one thing I'll chime in and Chuck, I don't know if you wanted to say something or, or I think you're good. Okay. Um, Kind of maybe teasing, and I'm just, I was just thinking this through, so I want to just maybe bounce this off the team. You know, there are sometimes definitely failures in, you think you're visionary, but really you're like an LED light right in front of you, right? You're too pinpointed. Um, Yes, everybody can see exactly where you want to go, but it's not visionary, right? It's very immediate, you know, versus like, 
a flashlight, which definitely illuminates more. You can put it maybe a hundred miles out. Maybe you'll see it. Very hard to see, but it's far out there and it's still very pinpointed. But I think a lot of failures that I've seen for visionary leadership have been what I would call like the Milky Way vision or the Northern Lights vision, right? Which is so big, so broad. It's out there. It's definitely beautiful, but everybody's going to have a slightly different perspective and they're going to end up in different places. At least everybody's headed north, right? A lot of people may be headed northwest, maybe northeast, but if you want people to head the north-north, you're going to get a lot of, you know, variation there. And that's and that's a good thing about, you know, that visionary creative leadership, right? Is that you are trying to get people to at least not head south um, or, or directly west, but, you know, you want to give people that freedom to find the path to fail along the way, but to end up headed north. Um, and so I've seen many examples and, you know, we've, we've talked all about the North star. And I think that, that example is very, very clear, right? It's like you definitely, no matter what angle you're at, you know, which way is North and you, so you're going to head there. You might deviate a little bit. You might get lost along the way, but you're always recalibrating to the North star, which is why I, I say like the Northern lights and Milky way. If you've ever seen those photos or taken those photos, it's, you know, all around, right? And it's so hard to navigate against the Milky Way. Um, and that's where, I, I mean, I've even seen it at large companies and small companies where, you know, they're like, let's reimagine this whole thing, but not really providing any guidelines on what you what those things that you want to achieve. People are off reimagining things in a bunch of different directions that may not be North. It may be Northwest. And, and is that really what you want to achieve. So that clarity and leadership and, and being focused and uh, just at the right level to give people enough room to fail, find their way, recalibrate without, you know, either being too specific, too micromanaging, too pointed, uh, and being, you know, omnidirectional like the Milky Way is. Yeah, it's well said because I think you know as we as we think about which I I start to kind of categorize this to to the risks that I sometimes see and and on one hand you know as we talk about visionary leaders and a little bit of what you're you're hitting on um, Mark and a, and a little bit more you know beyond this but one of the risks I see you know often where leaders visionary leadership really helps is um, I've worked with different teams before where we kind of start to go down a vision setting exercise and it's all about inspiring bigger thinking. It's usually, maybe to your point, Mark, it's the LED right in front of us where it's like, okay, I kind of see it. It's like pretty clear. It's like straight on, um, but it's not really challenging. There's, there's the, the bigger, infusing bigger thinking, right? Um, but then there is exactly to your point, like then there's the, maybe on the other side of the spectrum where, you know, we're trying to do so much where the Milky Way example, it's everywhere, it's pervasive, it's all over the place and it's kind of directional, but it's really unclear. And it's the risk of, can we actually make progress, right? And so as we think about, taking a vision, articulating that vision, um, rallying the team around it, then starting to make progress towards that and getting to a point of back to, I think what Chuck was hitting on too, right? Really understanding value. Why? Why are we doing this? Why does it matter? That's a, that's a key part of this because we can just have big dreams, but if we don't know what we're actually trying to do and why it's important, then we'll never be able to measure success. We'll never really measure did we actually ever get there. And the other thing I would add in as we're 
you know, have about 15 minutes left is, you know, I think another risk that comes up with, with visionary leadership is not only maybe too big, not enough clarity of where we're going, maybe it's high level directional, we're going a direction, but there's also where I've seen, I've seen the risk of, you know, both the maybe not big enough thinking, but also someone who might be thinking so big and so out there that they forget completely any short-term commitments, any short-term progress, any of those immediate steps that have to be taken because they're much more interested in thinking about that future, that elusive out there in the way in the distant future. And they lose their teams on how, how can I start today? What do I do today with the information that you've told me? How do I empower a team to move forward? And so I think this is one of the big risks. And then the other thing that I would say, and I'd love to hear, you know, from the room, if there's other kind of risks that we can, you know, keep an eye on from a visionary leadership style perspective is I've also seen, you know, and I hit on this a little bit earlier, I've seen leaders who are very visionary and they are they are disruptors and they are catalysts but it is done in such a way that doesn't always have a productive outcome and it can cause much more massive change than is actually productive and so as we talk about you know how you communicate change and how you pivot and how do you embrace risks i think it's also making sure that we're not jumping from one thing to another so quickly because it's shiny object syndrome it's the next interesting thing that now becomes a vision and we lose what we referenced back with bob Iger's as an example is big vision but that steadfastness that stay the course that we understand where we are going and we are thoughtful about when and why we might be shifting direction so I'll pause there. Happy to hear from the group if there's other examples, you know, or, or areas where, where you've seen maybe a risk around this leadership style, which, you know, can be very popular, but also does have inherent risks like any leadership style does. I just wanted to touch on something. I think that sort of connects a little bit about both what, you know, Mark was saying where he saw, you know, just sort of an uncoordinated, you know, dispersed, like people wanting to do something and different and innovative and visionary, but they were doing it all like not connected to each other, you know, and then Kelly was talking about, you know, the shift in mindset that's needed, you know, that to go along with, you know, with a vision. And I've seen that, you know, happen in a couple of situations where, you know, people want to inject like a new process or technology, but they're doing it within the context of how the organization has been working. And it's like, well, that's, why we're at this point, it, it hasn't worked before necessarily because of, of the dynamics or, you know, not taking the time to really dig into and understand what's going on with the culture and the mindset, you know, and how to facilitate that change. Um, I see, you know, a lot of times where people have just spun up new teams to do something new, but then that team is the only one that knows how to do it. And we haven't necessarily enabled, you know, the organization to do it, you know, on a broader, more consistent scope um, um, to follow that vision. Yeah, I think it's a really, really good point. And, and I'll, I'll share a little bit of an out of left field story. But, um, you know, I was I was listening to a podcast. Um, it was actually a fascinating podcast It's called the highest self podcast. Um, so it's more in the realm of kind of spirituality, but a lot of focus on self and mindfulness and attention. And, um, and one of the things they were talking about on there was the way that we learn um, as a as a culture and a lot of cultures, uh, the way that standardized testing and structured education really came out of, and I'll keep it brief, but it came out of this idea that if you think about kind of the, the US, you think about the industrial revolution, a lot of our education system was about conformity and it was about training kids to conform to a nine to five 
you know, industrial job and being able to go in and do work within a very um, standard setting where um, conformity rule following was was prized, right? That's what we're training for. So, you know, as we as we think about exactly kind of what you were hitting on, Chuck, right? If you think about visionary leaders, often the ones that, you know, again, stand out to us are the ones that maybe do something that seems impossible, right? Walt Disney is, I think, a fantastic example in that regard, right? You know, what, what he did and what he has built um, as a company and the legacy has, has has had a massive impact on the world, you know, but there's also this idea of what you often run into is that so many people have been trained to conform, to not think outside the box, to not challenge, you know, challenge the rules, to not challenge the way that things are done and not, not rarely ever asked potentially with what kind of leader they might be working with ever asked how they would do it differently or to unconstrain their thinking. So I think it's important for us to really understand as we talk about leaders, both on our own journey and as we teach others that this is a really hard task to do. And I think it's important that we continue to kind of work and grow this muscle of unconstraining our own thinking. So how can we become more self-aware of when we are creating barriers to an approach or to an idea based on how an organization works or how we have seen things work in the past and maybe challenge some of those expectations that may open up new pathways that we didn't know exist, but equally that we bring our teams along on the journey of going through this process, because I think it can also be a really elusive and sometimes intimidating leadership style where you see someone do it really well and it feels like you kind of leave it to them to be the ones to do it. So how do we not only embrace becoming visionary leaders in some ways of of embracing some of these aspects, but really helping our teams learn how to do this and go through the process and stretching themselves. And even if we can try that with projects, try that in small ways of having a team, you know, go about the process of writing a vision statement and challenge them to think as big and out there as possible, because I think we err much more with most of our teams, they err towards needing to be challenged to have bigger thinking than where in other categories, maybe, you know, you might have the the North Star, you know, the, the Northern Lights Milky Way example. Most of our teams need to be freed from from constraints and freed from barriers and silos and structures um, to be able to start to know what what is possible even from their own ideas so i wanted to just chime in a little bit because i think that you know i don't know if it'd be beneficial to others but i would love to hear um others perspective too on you know what are some of the uh, the key um tactics or uh, tips people have on really how to communicate a vision. And I know we've, we've hit on some of this, but I've, I've been like digging around and looking at different, you know, content and resources around this. And some of the things that came to the surface that I, that I felt pretty compelling about was that um, a good vision focuses on the present. It uses present tense versus future. Like, you know, a lot of times people who are visionary want to focus, like you said, Mark, you know, they want to look at something way out there. You can't quite see it or, you know, it's super huge and super, super big. Um, But, you know, focusing on what, like, as if, you know, you hear a lot of times, you know, about like, you know, um, the laws of attraction, like, you know, I have $10,000 in my bank account and I'm really excited about it. Right. But if you focus on the present tense, it's as if you've already achieved it and it's, it gives it more credibility and actionability as well. 
And then I think that what was hit on really well in, in, in several times today was about the communication and keeping it clear and simple. And I think that uh, some of the content I've pulled out as well is around if you can use like cause and effect, like if we do, you know, if this happens, this is going to happen and that's going to happen and where it begins to paint the picture. And I think also with communication, I wanted to tap in and also add, um, I think, Mark, you were talking about it. Somebody was talking about the communication, but, you know, it has to be constant, but it has to be clear and it has to be tailored to um to the audience, you know, you might be, a, you know, a CEO communicating a vision and then you've got layers and layers and layers and layers of leaders between you and then the team, the frontline staff. And you have to, you know, constantly may be making sure that that message is getting down to to everybody within within the, the team that you want to see the change happen with. But ultimately, you want to bring them into the moment so they can see and feel and want to be part of it. And um, one of the other things that they were saying was that 60% of really good visionary leaders use a second person pronouns like you or your or something very personal. So it becomes it, it becomes personal for the person, for the listener. And 38% use sensory language around things that they feel, things that they touch, things that they see, things that they may hear. And I think, you know, using an example just to kind of bring what I'm saying together is if I'm going to give you two examples of a vision statement and you'll see the difference, I think, basically in what I'm trying to uncover here, which the first one is in the future, a connected home will have great benefits. And the second one would be connected homes will have benefits for you, making your bed warm when you crawl into it at night. And there will be a warm cup of coffee that you'll be excited to drink when you wake up in the morning. And so um, just kind of want to pause there and see what your what your responses are to that. But I, I you know, I'm, I'm really, you know, just marinating on and thinking about how, you know, you know, communication, the more you pull the senses in, the more you pull in the reality versus shooting it way out into the present. Like we don't even know what we're going to get once we get out there. But what do we have and how do we paint that picture and how do we excite people from that perspective? Yeah, I love those examples, and, and I'll say for the group that you know what I'll do is I'll um, I'll include not only the references that that Tamara's listed on on examples for vision statements, but I'll include a couple others. And if anyone has you know vision statements that really resonate with them, um, send them over, and I'll be happy to include them in the recap. But I I love the examples that you called out, and I think the tangible examples Tamara have had a how to build an effective vision statement because it is about I love the idea of speaking to it in you know in presence and using specific pronouns that recreate that that connection and accountability to what this actually looks like. But I also, again, it, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier on this idea of values and feelings and why. And I think, you know, again, leaders, charismatic leaders, visionary leaders, they make you feel something, right? And I think you can say that even for brands and companies, right? Brands and companies that create, you know, vision statements, like even the examples of a connected home, it's about feeling something. So I think the more that we can look at our vision statements and ask ourselves, you know, what is it that we're trying to get someone to feel when they read this or hear this? What is it that we're trying to get them to embody? How do we want them to, you know, to to feel that, that they are a part of this, that they are accountable for it, that they can take action on it. And I think those are all really important ways to think about, you know, not only having 
craft uh, an effective, you know, vision statement, but create that that connection such that anybody who's hearing it on the team believes that they are part of making that a reality. And the last thing I'll say is, you know, when it comes to communication, which which we've hit over and over again, I'm I'm sure many folks have heard this reference that I've had, but you know, this idea that you know, if you if you think you've communicated your vision enough, communicate it one more time. And so the idea that, you know, be it no matter what the size of your organization or your team might be, over communicate, over communicate, over communicate to ensure that everyone hears it, that it's a constant focus and it should be something very visible. So whether you're in an office or you're in a virtual environment, make sure your vision statement is easy to access, is constantly visible and it's being reinforced consistently. Yeah, and I would just tag on to that, Kelly, that I think, you know, what I want to also um, emphasize is that it's not always about a, a vision statement. It's really, you know, you as a visionary leader, you know, it could be many things that you're visionary about or even just a few, but it's just kind of how you're consistent and you you continue to inspire your team based upon how you're leading. And again, this is just one piece of, you know, one style of leadership that we pivot in and out of. Um, versus, you know, I just want to like make sure that we're not just, it's not just a vision statement. It doesn't have to be something huge. It could just be how you lead. Remember, visionary is about seeing. You can see what it can, what is possible, what the team can achieve, what, you know, what can be created that may be even larger. But ultimately, the leadership is really important. You can't do one without the other. You still have to be able to lead and inspire people and excite people um, to to want to participate in what in, in all that they can achieve. And really, I mean, we all want to be excited and, and, and part of something great. We want to really be part of, you know, um, our, we want to contribute and um, and apply our expertise and our skills to something that, you know, is is going to be, you know, I, yeah, I want to say for the greater good, but, you know, essentially for ourselves or for others. Yeah, I totally agree. And again, I, I, I actually really enjoy this leadership style. I work with a lot of leaders that I think embody this style quite frequently. And it's, I've seen really amazing, you know, amazing projects and products come to life because of this and teams come together and work in really powerful ways because of this style. And I think you're right, Tamara, it's that reinforcement of a vision statement might be one of the steps you take, but a visionary leader is about how they embody this style continuously, the questions they ask, how they show up, how they inspire, how they're consistently are demonstrating this this leadership style, even as, you know, potentially when you think about flexing in and out of other styles, I think a visionary leader will, will come back to this style, even just as we think about in the core or the way we way we communicate. But with that, we are at the the hour now. So this time flew by. Thank you so much for spending a, part, a portion of your weekend with us. Um, we'll be back next weekend. And again, we'll probably do some fun exercises on, you know, playing with all these leadership styles and how do we apply them to some pop culture references or some different examples and kind of really workshop some of the things that we've been learning over the last six weeks. But with that, I'll let Tamara close us out with a quote. Got to get off mute there. <laughs> so I, I, um, I have a quote here from Martin Luther King uh, that I thought was really just kind of tied all this together, which is if you want to move people, it has to be toward a vision that's positive for them that taps important values, that gets them something they desire, and it has to be presented in a compelling way so that you feel inspired to follow. 
So everyone, thank you so much. This was such a great conversation today. Great, rich discussion and content. And um, we appreciate you being here. We hope you take a pearl away from you and invite others to come and join us as well, because this is a great place to learn from each other. And we hope you have a great weekend. Go out there and do something fun and get refreshed and rejuvenated for the week ahead. Thank you, everyone. Have a great weekend. Thanks, everybody. Have a great one. Thanks, everyone. Yeah, have a great one.